Welcome back to Bible Love. We are here. We're recording. We joked. I was actually supposed to be doing something else right now outside, but I'm here. So surprise, you don't have just Mary Balfour as a as a host today because it's snowing in Texas, which doesn't really happen. So maybe hell has frozen over and we could get into that. Uh, so we're recording on Monday. This comes out on Thursday. Thursday is the feast of the presentation of our Lord. So for our prayer, let us do the collect for that day. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly pray that as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple, so we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a historic day on the Bible Love podcast because this is the first time, I think, Alan, I, I, I may be wrong, but I think it's the first time that we have invited a current seminarian to join us. And I couldn't think of anyone better than my dear friend and a friend to the Van Zant family, um, Richard Alquist, to join us. Richard is a senior seminarian from the Diocese of Alabama at the University of the South, Swanee. So today you've got a Swanee person, a Virginia person, and an Austin, Texas Seminary of the Southwest person talking about the Psalms. And Richard, I'm so excited you're here, but I'm also so thrilled for the church that very soon you will be ordained in ministry and sharing God's love with people. Um I'm thrilled for you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. What a leap of faith to uh, include a seminarian and uh, record it for for a podcast to live you on. History. Yeah. You got this. So we asked Richard to talk <clears throat> to us about um, the Psalms because that's where we are. And he picked out a few. Um, but we also want to ask him a couple of questions about seminary and and where the Psalms or the Bible in general may have um, been a part of his experience. Um, for those of you that don't know in the Episcopal tradition, um, most people go off to a um, Episcopal seminary. Um, and there are a few in the country, um, one of which is um, located in Swanee, Tennessee, and that's where Richard is. And it's a three-year residential experience. Um, so Richard got his family, his wonderful wife, and his two kids and moved to Swanee. And soon you'll be hopefully moving back to Alabama, right? That's the plan. Okay, Hope great. Soon, real soon. Um well, but yeah, it's been amazing. You know, Old Testament is their first year in seminary. So it's been a couple of years since the class. But of course, we're constantly referring back to scripture in in every other class. But um, uh, Becky Wright, uh, the professor of Old Testament, um, is just amazing. And our Old Testament class is essentially her just kind of live translating Hebrew into English uh, book by book and kind of just sharing with us all of her wisdom and reflections, but I always joke that that first year I just had Bob Marley stuck in my head 
the whole year. I was just constantly listening because so much of the lyrics of Bob Marley come from, from old Testament. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what were some things that sort of stood out for you going from seminary sort of a, 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 a different experience? You're, you're not really a lay person anymore. I mean, you still are, but you were sitting there intently studying for three years for ordained ministry. So, you know, you had some experience as a lay person before, you know, just as a typical member of a church and studying God's word. And here now you are in this sort of intense experience of studying. How did that change for you um, in Becky's class or any other biblical learning class? Um, you know, it just really opens up scripture in such a, a big way. Um, I'm a cradle Episcopalian. So a lot of my uh, more fundamentalist biblical literal classmates are, um, wildly more more versed in calling up uh scripture and verse but you know you said we studied intently and we actually studied intense you know it was covid so my old testament class was outside in an, in an open tent uh, we called it the penitent but um <laughs> but yeah it's just really um I, I think especially at swanee uh chapel life is such a central part of everything and one thing that excites me about the psalms or that just I was reminded about the Psalms. I mean, that's the one book of the Bible that is included in our book of common prayer. It's read at every service, daily office, um, weekly Eucharist. Uh, we always read from Psalms. Um, so I really think it's kind of exciting and appropriate to, to dig into um, to this book. And um, yeah, you know, Becky Wright in particular is just, just so good. I mean, it's, it's like you want to just keep, going back to her class over and over again, because she's just such a wealth of knowledge um, and just puts everything in context so well. Um, but yeah, you know, I think just encountering scripture kind of continually and again, following that daily office lectionary um, and just seeing how it kind of comes alive in new ways, um, especially the, the poetic portions of scripture that I think, um, you know, it's not just what they say, but it's how they're, how it's said. Um, that really adds some, some depth there that you can kind of just continually re-encounter. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, I, I always felt like the people that had done like education for ministry before they came to seminary were like so much <clears throat> um, prepared for, uh, for this. Um, Alan grew up in a, more fundamental, is that correct to say? Or more conservative. Conservative yeah. education. Evangelical. And so you knew the Bible going in, so you were probably, like, really prepared. But I also feel like in some ways seminary sort of blows your mind in some ways. Like, oh, my gosh, I never, ever thought about it in that way. I never thought the Bible could be so rich. And I think one of the beautiful things about the Psalms that we've been discussing is how much our own life, can be felt in these Psalms, in the ups and downs. There was one particular Psalm that we said we would talk about, Richard, which is the one that is somewhat scary to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Psalm 138, do I have that right? 137, yeah. 137, thank you. But, and we're going to, you can read it to us in a minute. But one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about it is even though it's a really harsh song, Psalm, 
it starts out in this beautiful way and then sort of the harshness comes in. And I think that seems to be sort of the rhythm of the psalm. So do you want to, do you want to read that one to us sure. and let the crowd in on what we're talking about? Sure, absolutely. Um, and I'll just point out here, like it's the first decision is like, which version to read. So, right. um, you know, I think especially with the Psalms, they're so lyrical. You get really used to hearing them from a certain version. Um, so uh, one of the things I consulted was Robert Alter's translation of the Psalms, which are of the entire Old Testament. But it was really, really fascinating just to dig into how he approaches translating these. Um, but, of course, I will read from the Book of Common Prayer version, um, which is, again, different than the NRSV version. Um, it's a, separate, a different translation. So um, I will start start just pointing that out. But Psalm 137. By the waters of Babylon, we sat down and wept when we remembered you, O Zion. As for our harps, we hung them up on the trees in the midst of that land. For those who led us away captive asked us for a song, and our oppressors called for mirth. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How long shall we sing the Lord's song upon an alien soil? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember the day of Jerusalem, O Lord, against the people of Edom, who said, Down with it, down with it, even to the ground. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Those little ones dashing against the rock. That's, that's, that's hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that translation. Um, I guess it, it's translated a little more harshly in other ways, but I, rem- I specifically remember the day that we discussed this in, uh, in Dr. Wright's class. And, um, she said, you know, I'm, I'm all right with just kind of skipping that one over. You know, that's not an image that I feel compelled to really re-encounter um, regularly. And I'm pretty sure it's actually excluded from our, our lectionary. No, it's not. We've had it. It was a couple months ago. Really? Um, okay. I think some parishes, some parishes lop it off because it's at the end. Okay. Uh, Mary Balfour and I, Resurrection and St. Martin's, we chanted it. Or did y'all chant? Yeah. We chanted it. Yeah. And Which I is had, its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually had some people come up to me later and they were like, why didn't you take it out? And I was like, because it's there. It's, and I don't think that's my right to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I don't get to choose the good and fuzzy, warm stuff. You know, the Bible is the Bible. And, and I think it's one of the things Alan and I've committed to too. And so I'm so, I'm really thankful you wanted to talk about this one because it's not the fluffy one that a lot of people find such great comfort in. Um, and you wonder why it's there, you know, and I, I don't know the answer, but I know that it's there and it's, it's part of our biblical text. And so we're supposed to wrestle with it, I assume. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in some ways the, the experience, you know, it's, the Psalms are so personal. Like, I feel like sometimes it's just a real, it captures our human experience so, 
so well. Um, like you said, the highs and the lows, and they're just such like um, they're such pleading and celebration, and um, and sometimes it's it's almost easier for me to kind of put the historical. So this, I guess, is um, the Hebrews are coming back to Jerusalem after exile in Babylon, and um, you know the, the Robert Alter's translation is happy who seizes and smashes your infants against the rock, which is even a harsher kind of more direct. I think there's been some attempts to kind of soften that language in, in some of the translations. Um, but, you know, these are people that have been taken from their homeland and exiled and enslaved. And, um, you know, I think it just, I mean, there's no justification for that kind of, you know, desiring of cursing um, and, and violence, but, um, but it captures where those people are at at that time. Um, you know, I think about now the, both of y'all are parents. So you tell me if I'm, <laughs> but um, we're certainly not going to gnash baby's heads against rocks, but I can imagine that there are some times as parents that it's very frustrating with your children. And I don't, you're not going to gnash their head against a rock, but you might be pretty upset or frustrated and, and, and maybe that's a, a moment you can go to the psalm and say, you know, I don't, I need to stop being frustrated because this is what happens. I don't know. I'm talking out of my, cause I'm not a parent, but I'm sure you've had those moments. Either one of y'all. Yeah. Uh, my boys are 14 and 12. I have those moments several times a day. <laughs> uh, they're no longer the size for which any kind of physical action would be of any use. My 14 year old's bigger than me. No. Um, <laughs> I think it's a reality. Number one, two sides, right? I get frustrated with my kids and sometimes I have to look at their baby pictures to remember why I love them. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's, it can be a really frustrating thing, but on the other side, right? Like this was a lived reality for the, these folks who are writing and listening to this. Like there are people out there who maybe would have wanted to snatch the kids and do that. And so like even saying that out loud as a parent, right? Like, I don't want this to happen. How could someone, but it's a, it's a present fear. I mean, it's the mama bear instinct, the papa bear instinct to, to protect our kids. But, you know, this song didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of a, some type of lived reality. In which, yeah, and yeah. I mean, infanticide shows up in the Bible and other places. I mean, um, yeah. Herod, Herod um, killing all the firstborn. I mean, this is like a. a, a how, horrific, how many churches do choral vespers for feast of the holy innocents? Right, right. No, we don't do anything for. I, hopefully, some people out there do. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's a big feast day. It's an important feast day, but we just brush right over it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know also the the worst curse you can imagine. I mean, the the anger to who takes your little. Like, so taking someone else's infants. And I mean, that's the, I think the way I read is, you know, the, the people that desire to dash the little ones of the, of the Babylonians, of their oppressor, like that's the ultimate kind of um, ultimate anger because um, it cuts off the future generations even, you know, I mean, that's the, that desire of um, kind of revenge or, um, yeah, there. <clears throat> and revenge are human emotions, right? Mm -hmm. They're part of what we may ha be at any given time in any given moment. Um, 
you know, I see that every day um, with Murray, my husband, you know, with his anger, you know, because he's in this traumatic brain injury body, you know, or with other situations that I'm in pastoral care situations. I mean, anger and revenge are very, very normal emotions. It doesn't mean we need to act on them and bash babies heads against the rock. But I think if you look into it, I appreciate you saying that Richard, because I think if you look into it a little bit more, it really shows emotion and that, and that's, that's being a human. And that's one of the gifts of the Psalms, right? Is that all of these emotions are expressed and it humanizes it for us so much because we don't have to be perfect. We're going to have those moments of anger, revenge, sadness, happiness, mountaintop, low top, everything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, go ahead, Alan. I'm I'm reading uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, great! And so, and so Elizabeth Gilbert is the whole story. I'm not going to spoil it, but the the part I just read. She goes to India and she does this really in-depth like yoga thing. And as part of this whole practice, um, the one thing that that her um, um, teacher requires essentially is every morning they go and say some ancient um, Hindu scripture. I don't remember exactly what it was called. And she talks and is like, this is really hard. I hate it. It's difficult to say. It brings up things. It does all of that. And then in her commentary, uh, or the, the teacher reply is like, yes, but like the repetition's important. It's sacred, whatever. She says, uh, the book of Job is sacred too. I don't want to read it every day. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Like, I mean, yeah. this is a lived experience that's real. Sometimes it's really hard to be confronted by that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but what you just said, Alan, made me think of it is, um, I've had nine deaths in about a two month period in my church. And so one of the things God has really been calling on my heart is to start this grief group. And so I've, you know, I emailed everybody that I thought might like to be a part of it. And a couple of people have said, I don't know. I don't know if I want to like face my emotions like that. And I was like, I think you should, you know, I, I think this is a safe place. And the Psalms sort of, again, like direct us to that, right? Um, and in those moments of ups and downs and joys. So, Richard, there was another um, psalm that you wanted to talk about. I'm just going to keep us on yeah. track here because um, we've got about six minutes left. So, tell us what the um, talk about the other psalm. As a good good Swanee seminarian, uh, Psalm 133, which is where Swanee's motto comes from in Latin, ecce quam bonum, uh, is the, the kind of Latin title for, for that psalm. And, and it's good and short. I can read that one for us too, real quick. <clears throat> oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. It is like fine oil upon the head that runs down upon the beard, upon the beard of Aaron and runs down upon the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon that falls upon the hills of Zion. For there the Lord has ordained the blessing, life forevermore. So that first that first verse there, oh how good and pleasant it is when brethren brethren live together in unity. That's kind of the the opening line of, that captures um, how how good it is to be on the mountain among your 
Swanee brethren in unity. Um, yeah, I think, I think that word unity is really, really important. Um, we sang, I can't remember which one it was, but a hymn from Wonder, Love, and Praise yesterday that um, it was all about unity. And uh, I'll I'll try to remember to look it up, Alan, so you can you can link it. But the Psalms, again, give us a gift of emotion of how we can be brothers and sisters in unity, in justice, in love, in kindness, in all the things that um, we were reminded of from Matthew's gospel yesterday. Um, the blessed are those things, you know, um, and and I I, I, we've talked about that Psalm already once, but I'm so glad that we were talking about it again because I don't think it's one that gets a lot of airplay. I think when you think about your favorite Psalms, you know, a lot of people go to Psalm 23 and, and all of those are wonderful. I don't mean that, but I, I think it's interesting that too, it's come up twice. Um, now they both were Swanee people. So <laughs> I guess Swanee's done a good job of ingraining that in you. Um, but I, I would imagine. Richard, as a seminarian, and you're walking into this new place that you don't know, to kind of know that that's the motto of being in unity and you're all there together could be of a lot of comfort, whether you're an undergraduate or a seminarian. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's something to strive for, for sure, and uh, stay focused on. I mean, it's and it's kind of a celebration. I mean, ultimately, the Psalms are, are praises and, you know, alleluia sing praises to the Lord. I mean, these are, these are songs, these are lyrics, these are meant to be sung. And even though there are moments where they kind of slip into the, the roller coaster of human emotion. I mean, if you were to pick an overarching theme for the Psalms, it's praise God, you know, it's just, it's sing praises to the Lord. Um, so I think that, um, you know, kind of celebrating, yeah, living together in unity community, um, is uh is certainly appropriate and good and it's good to see that in the in the mix of all the other other things going on uh in this book um well listeners if you haven't picked this up yet um richard is a musician as well um and relates a lot of things back to lyrics which i love and um and all of that i was just thinking about we're gonna have a um organist choir master on in a couple of weeks, but I was thinking about, have you ever done the Psalms like with your guitar in a different kind of way, like singing in that way? Cause sometimes I think we feel like it needs to be really formal, but I love the idea. The words are not that formal sometimes, you know, they're praise worship, sing, you know, sort of Curcio type music, mm-hmm. camp type music. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, you know, we chant them in, in, in chapel here, um, very regularly getting familiar with the plain song Psalter and the Anglican Psalter and everything. But, um, yeah, it'd be fun to try and uh, to set some of these to, to some guitar music or even it, sometimes it, it even reminds me of, um, um, Oh, what is it? The, the French monastery chants at Um, uh-huh. uh, again, that repetitive, like Alan was talking about the every morning reciting, um, and, just really letting these things kind of seep in. And uh, another professor of mine, Ken Miller, our, our church music professor, he's really encouraging. You guys got to be more familiar with your Psalter. He's like, he would always, you know, we'd be reading a hymn text and he'd be like, but of course this is from what Psalm? Mm-hmm. And, and so he's Lutheran and he is just so deeply familiar with the Psalm texts. Um, and he just immediately, you know, calls up a Psalm number uh, when he hears a hymn. 
Um, and yeah, I think, you know, having music and tunes and repetitiveness, it just, it, it, it ingrains these things more deeply, um, kind of into your heart. Um, yeah, we talked about it last week, like the 830 service versus the 1030 service. Like, I mean, I love my 830 peeps. Don't get me wrong, but I love it when we sing the Psalms at 1030 because I just feel like I'm experiencing them so much more because they're set to music. And we almost always use simplified Anglican chant because it's just easier for people to um, follow along. But I, I think that setting it to music is such a, okay. So Richard, I think you should come up with how to sing one of the Psalms through the guitar and that way, and then come back and sing it for us. What do you think? Oh man, that's uh that's some serious homework right there. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll love 37 to, set 137 to a uh, very yeah. melodramatic tune. Yeah, that one you can certainly take uh, some serious composition kind of arc to yeah. it. Uh, especially well, our, our, time almost, our time is almost up, Richard. Do you have anything else that you think we just need to know about the Psalms? Oh, man. You know, talking about like Bible familiarity and encountering scriptures, um, the Psalms are in such kind of a style. I, you know, I don't, you asked me initially for this podcast, you know, pick a favorite Psalm. I don't have, oh, a number that pops into my head per se, but I'm kind of, I kind of love all of the Psalms and the kind of the, even the tradition of writing in the style of the Psalms. And I always find that, um, just continuing to come back and re-encounter them because even though the words might stay the same, I've changed every time I come back. Um, to these texts. So kind of just being willing to, to approach them openly and kind of see where they lead you is, is the uh, kind of how I, how I approach the Psalms specifically and biblical poetry more in general, I guess. But. I love that answer. And I really have to stop asking people what their favorite Psalm is because <laughs> everyone has the same answer as you do. And I think it really connects why we have these every week in our, um, in, because we continue to grow deeper in and approach them differently over and over. Richard, I am, Alan and I both are so grateful for your time. We are so thrilled for your ministry. Yay, Episcopal Church. You're going to get Richard really soon. And that is a gift. And listeners, remember, as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does.